Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Russian President Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance, quote, objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to drop. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar also weakens. That's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text Monica to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. Thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews, you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Just text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group right now. Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me here on this Friday as we end another week in Biden's America. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and yes, happy warriors. Don't forget to check me out on social media. On Instagram, I am at Monica Crowley underscore, and on Twitter and Truth Social, I am at Monica Crowley. Also, by email, I am at Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. Send me a note. Let me know what's on your mind. All right, next week, it is a holiday week. So we are going to be all over the news because we will be here on top of everything. And we're also going to have some fun too with some really, really big guests. So don't miss next week. And please tell everybody you know about the Monica Crowley podcast. You don't want FOMO, do you? Avoid FOMO. Listen to the Monica Crowley podcast. Okay, today um, I really want to get into this FTX scandal. This is the biggest financial scandal in history, bigger than Enron, bigger than Lehman Brothers, bigger than Bernie Madoff. We are talking about billions and billions of dollars being lost, stolen, God knows where it is, big money being laundered and then push through to the Democrats. This is a scandal of epic proportions. I want to spend some time on it today because I I think it's only going to get bigger, so I want to try to get in front of it as much as we can. Also today, we're going to talk with the great Byron Donalds, a congressman from Florida who is a true rising star in the Republican Party, and he's also a very important voice for the future. Not to be missed. First up, the Monica Memo. Mrs. Pelosi, peace out. My friends, no matter what title you all, my colleagues, have bestowed upon me, speaker, leader, whip, there is no greater official honor for me than to stand on this floor and to speak for the people of San Francisco. This I will continue to do as a member of the House, speaking for the people of San Francisco, serving the great state of California, and defending our Constitution. And with great confidence in our caucus, I will not seek re-election to Democratic leadership in the next Congress. For me, the hours come for a new generation to lead the Democratic caucus that I so deeply respect. 
In that goodbye speech from the Democratic leadership, she also invoked her Roman Catholic faith and invoked St. Francis of Assisi. No, I'm not kidding. Roll it. For those who sent me here, for the people of San Francisco, for entrusting me with the high honor of being their voice in Congress. In this continued work, I will strive to honor the call of the patron saint of our city, St. Francis. Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. So Nancy Pelosi will stay in Congress, but she won't be speaker. I guess she's going to take her free time and pray to St. Francis. Um, But she's not going to be in the Democratic leadership. So the Pelosi reign of terror is now over. But remember, whomever they replace her with could be worse. Hard to believe, but it's true. They're talking about Hakeem Jeffries, Adam Schiff, perhaps AOC. The next big Democratic leader in the House could be worse. More radical, more progressive, more communist, more clever about their revolution, less old school than Mrs. Pelosi. So while she was a very effective leader for her party in terms of whipping votes and not allowing a single Democrat to go astray... She was very good at that. Our side, forget it. We're like herding cats and our side, Republicans are just off the reservation all the time. She cracked the whip and had tremendous discipline in her caucus. But she's no longer going to be in leadership, but she will still be in the House, which is going to be very interesting. She promises not to be the mother-in-law in the kitchen or the mother-in-law in the back seat telling everybody how to drive or how to cook. She vows that, but she's still the mother hen of the Democratic Party. She and Mrs. Clinton are the two mother hens. And uh, the the Democrats probably wish both women would just go away. But she's still going to be in there. Mrs. Clinton's going to be looking over everybody's shoulder, too. So it's going to be a very interesting dynamic. She claims hands off. She's going to let the new generation do their thing in the leadership. We shall see. But all of these people hold on way too long, right? So when it comes to Mrs. Clinton, definitely celebrate. Ding dong, Pelosi's gone. But brace yourself for someone worse. The war doesn't stop. It just changes form. The communist revolution never really ends. It just changes form. And the faces change, the leaders change, but the revolution goes on. So while Pelosi is gone, and that's cause for celebration, understand that this revolution will accelerate. It will not come to an end or even slow down. In fact, the exact opposite. You know, it's sort of a similar thing with Vladimir Putin. All of these people who are saying, we need regime change in Russia. Nobody's making excuses or covering for Vladimir Putin. He's an evil, murderous tyrant. But when people in the West start screaming about regime change in Russia, they're doing it with the assumption that whomever replaces Putin will be better. Oh, you're going to have a Jeffersonian democracy in Russia, so therefore get rid of Putin. Well, no, actually, in places where you have a communist and or authoritarian background, like Russia or like the modern American Democratic Party, When you have a leader that is toppled or who exits or who dies, the person who replaces them can very well be worse. Nobody ever thinks about that with Russia, right? You could get a raging maniac as opposed to the raging maniac that you have in there now. You could get a raging maniac who's worse. And in the Democratic Party, it's the same thing because leftism is what it is. I don't care if you're talking about communism in Russia or China or, or in the Democratic Party here. You lose a leader on the left, yay, the replacement could be worse and in all likelihood will be. Now, speaking of the leftist revolution, what have I always said? They have great innovation and creativity in pushing their agenda, rigging and winning elections, all to the end of seizing and keeping power. And the end of that is to fundamentally transform the nation, right? So they they have tremendous creativity and imagination on their side in doing this. 
We don't. They have institutions teaching how to grab and hold on to power. They've got big minds thinking about it, and they've got really big bucks behind it, including George Soros and the Sam Bankman Freed, or Fried, because he fried your money. We're going to get to that in a second. So they have the institutions, the big minds, and the big bucks. We don't. This is why they are always 10 steps ahead of us. Why they're playing chess and we're over here playing checkers. And why, just as we figure out what they're doing, they're already carrying out the next big scheme. Some legal, some illegal. But we're always playing catch-up because we have no imagination to outgame them. Case in point, this FTX story, there's so much to get to on this. Um, and I, today I want to just begin because I'm sure there are so many layers to the onion and the story is just going to keep getting more compelling. But today I want to begin to take it apart because it's deeply revealing in so many ways, including what a profoundly corrupt and incestuous pit this all is. When we talk about the left, we talk about the revolution, we talk about corruption, we talk about their lies, we talk about their imagination and creativity. But the left is also deeply, deeply incestuous. Incestuous to the extreme. They're all in bed together. Whether it's Big tech, big government, big pharma, big corporate media, the international community, the WEF, the the World Health Organization, they're all in bed together, the culture. They're all in bed together, and in some cases, literally, like with this FTX case. So let's take it apart a little bit on today's show. So the leftists, the leftist big savior was a Ponzi schemer. You know how Bernie Madoff turned into this big villain and everybody could agree on that? Well, now the leftists had this big savior who was in fact worse than Bernie Madoff. This guy, Sam Bankman-Fried, I'm sure maybe you've heard about him, although the mainstream press has covered this um, very, very slightly, and we're going to deal with that too. This guy, SBF, Sam Bankman-Fried, according to the press especially the business press, but the mainstream press as well. According to them, he was a great person, better than you are, because he was a self-described effective altruist. This is what he called himself, an effective altruist who, despite being a billionaire, drove a Toyota Corolla. He was out there making billions of dollars solely to help out the world's needy and advance progressive causes. He was going to stop the next pandemic, and he was doing it all for humanity. He has a savior complex. That's how he was described. SBF, this guy, is the John Fetterman of the finance crypto world. Can't speak slovenly, like Pigpen from Peanuts. You know the Peanuts cartoon and Pigpen had that big like cloud around him all the time? Yeah, exactly. That's Fetterman and it's SBF. These are the people on the left, okay? And this has been throughout history. You've had characters on the left leading the charge, looking and sounding and acting exactly like this. And yet SBF, despite like Fetterman, despite all of this, gets elevated revered even by his peers and the propaganda press because he cultivated this image of being the high-minded mad scientist whose work was too important to be questioned. It's a game, and he knew the game. Plus, as an added bonus, this guy SBF was on the right political side. His father had helped Elizabeth Warren write tax legislation, was a good friend of of, uh, Focahontas. His mother ran a Democratic fundraising operation, and his brother had two meetings at the Biden White House that we know of. We still don't have the uh, records 
of when he goes to Delaware and who goes in and out of the house there every, almost every weekend since Biden has been president, often Delaware being pumped with God knows how many drugs. And we have no idea who is coming in and out to see him. Maybe this guy, SBF, maybe his brother. We know his brother has been to the White House a couple of times. And SBF was a prolific Democratic donor. We're going to get to that in a minute. So this schlub made a frat house into a company, and I use the word company loosely. He takes the company and he puts the headquarters in the tax haven of the Bahamas. By the way, don't you just love when raging communists like this guy who want to redistribute everyone else's uh, money and want to soak the rich, remember AOC tax the rich with that stupid dress at the Met Gala? They want to constantly up the tax rate for the, quote, rich, by which they mean anybody earning over $100,000 a year, and they want to destroy capitalism. That's their ultimate goal. Don't you love when these people evade their own taxes? Sam Bankman-Fried, SBF, not paying his fair share by moving his HQ to the tax haven of the Bahamas. On top of it all, there were like 12, 15 employees all living and working together and all sleeping together and doing hardcore drugs. It was basically a frat house orgy dressed as a crypto firm. One look at these people and you would run because you have common sense. But no, all of these celebrities, Tom Brady, Giselle Munchen, uh, Steph Curry, all of these people giving them billions and billions of dollars. Let's hit a quick break. When we come back, I want to deconstruct um, some more of this because this is really, this is really bad. So we're going to take this apart a little bit more. Sit tight. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double and the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast and tastes so good. It's really delicious, guys, and you'll feel better with more energy and you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. I certainly noticed that in me since I started taking Field of Greens. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. All right, welcome back. So this guy, Sam Bankman Freed, the propaganda press has covered him as a savior, as a guy who's, yes, making a ton of money, but he's on our side because he's a communist and he wants to redistribute uh, the money for good causes, progressive causes, including supporting the Democrats. So, of course, he got all of this fawning press. SBF ran uh, an investment firm called Alameda Research, was a sister company of this, and it was run by his girlfriend, part of this polyamorous group of 12 or 15 in the Bahamas, all sleeping together and doing drugs together. Her name is Carolyn Ellison. One look at this girl, you would never in a million years give her a penny, never mind millions or billions of dollars, okay? 
I mean, I'm sorry, but somebody has to say it. Your image is everything. Sam Bankman Freed with the crazy hair, looking like Fetterman with the cargo shorts and the whole thing. I understand that's the Silicon Valley ethos, and that's how they all dress. Uh, Zuckerberg with the hoodie still, uh, all of it, okay? I, I get it. But if you have hard-earned money, why would you give it to somebody who looks like that? I understand crooks can wear a three-piece suit. I understand a lot of crooks wear, you know, bespoke uh, Savile Row suits. I get that too. But you look at these two basically kids and you're willing to fork, fork over your money. That's on you. Okay, that's on you. Where is the judgment? Where is the EQ, the emotional intelligence, when you're thinking about where to put your money? It just, it blows my mind. But anyway, this Alameda research run by the girlfriend in the orange skirt, okay, and the the big glasses, uh, that was a sister company. He's also running this uh, crypto exchange giant FTX. Everybody in the crypto universe knew FTX. It was sort of the 800-pound gorilla in the room. FTX had a Super Bowl commercial and its name on the Miami Heat's basketball arena, the FTX Arena. And as I mentioned uh, before the break, celebrities like Tom Brady urged people to get in on the crypto craze by using FTX. There was also a hilarious FTX commercial where Larry David actually predicted the company's implosion. You know how sometimes there are tells, psychological uh, reveals, right? Psychological reveals of something else that's that's going on under the radar. But this commercial, in retrospect, seemed like a huge tell. At the end of the ad, Larry David learns about FTX, which is billed as a safe and easy way to get into crypto. A dismissive Larry David says, eh, I don't think so. And I'm never wrong about this stuff. Never. And then the ad concludes by saying, don't be like Larry. Get into FTX. Well, less than a year later, FTX files for bankruptcy and over $1 billion in customer funds have completely vanished. So what happened? Well, FTX and Alameda were supposed to be separate entities, but this guy secretly transferred $10 billion of customer funds from FTX to Alameda to cover huge losses. Again, Ponzi scheme. You know, the old old, um, rigged game on the street with the three cups, right? That's what was going on here. Once FTX's biggest competitor, crypto giant Binance, caught wind of this, that he was moving money from FTX to Alameda, they sold all of their FTT tokens, which was, I guess still is, a cryptocurrency that is native to FTX. So it is a coin that FTX generated on its own. It was its own coin that people were trading. That Once Binance did that, that led to a rush of customers requesting an estimated $6 billion in withdrawals over just three days. They saw the problem. They saw what Binance is doing. They freaked out. They wanted their money out, $6 billion. Obviously, FTX did not have the liquidity to survive that run on it. Turns out that FTX, which fawning reporters said could join or even eclipse the big four of American banking, J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Citibank. They were all like, FTX could be bigger than them. Well, FTX didn't have the controls that one would expect a giant financial institution to have. The other day, um, CNBC said that newly appointed FTX CEO, a guy named John Ray, who ran the cleanup operation and recovery operation after Enron collapsed, he minced no words in a filing with the U.S. Bankruptcy Court for the District of Delaware, declaring that in his, quote, 40 years of legal and restructuring experience, He had never seen such a complete failure of corporate controls and such a complete absence of trustworthy financial information as occurred here. He excoriated SBF and his management team, the girl in the orange skirt, for what were described as lackadaisical controls on systems and regulatory compliance, 
Quote, the concentration of control in the hands of a very small group of inexperienced, unsophisticated, and potentially compromised individuals, compromised individuals, was unprecedented, he said. He said a substantial portion of assets held with FTX may be missing or stolen, following widespread reports on social media of the theft of hundreds of millions in cryptocurrencies. Are you getting the imagination of the scandal yet? Remember what I said about how the left constantly has innovation and creativity going on in terms of how to rig the system in order to game the system and seize and hold on to power. Are, are you understanding like the creativity that went into this? So how was FTX able to get away with all of this? I mean, it wasn't like they were some low-key company, Right. They had their name plastered on a basketball arena, for crying out loud. Well, um, maybe it helps to buy off the regulators, right? Especially if the regulators are also on the left. Go online and watch the video of the House Financial Services Committee Chairwoman Maxine Waters blowing SBF a kiss. Literally blowing him a kiss. This is reminiscent of Oprah planning a smooch on Harvey Weinstein. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Carolyn Ellison, the girl in the orange skirt, um, she and, and SBF were very close to the chairman of the Securities and Exchange Commission, Gary Gensler. Also, the girl in the orange skirt's father had worked with Gary Gensler. Do you understand the incestuous nature of all of this? By the way, Maxine Waters, you know, when I was working at uh, the Treasury Department and Secretary Mnuchin needed to go testify, every couple of months he went before the House Financial Services Committee and the, the Banking Committee in the Senate and so on, and there was Maxine sitting right there. Can you imagine Mnuchin blowing her a kiss? I mean, I can't. I can't. This is what I mean about the incestuous nature of the left. They're all in bed, literally and figuratively, together. It's understandable why Maxine would love him so much. I mean, after all, his effective altruism, which is the theory that the best use of your life is to make as much money as possible in order to give away as much money as possible. You don't want to be a greedy capitalist. You want to be an altruistic capitalist. But of course, the causes are climate change, all left-leaning approved causes, right? So one of the big approved left-leaning causes is, of course, the Democratic Party. SBF was the second largest Democrat donor, second only to George Soros. He donated 37 million bucks to Democrats in the most recent election cycle, this midterm election cycle. He had also recently pledged to spend $1 billion on the 2024 election in order to keep Trump out of office. So, of course, he was loved and never questioned because he was on the right side. But it also goes beyond donations. This guy's brother, Gabriel, used to work for Congressman Sean Kasten, a member of the House Financial Services Committee, along with the chairwoman, Maxine. So they are literally working with the regulators who are supposed to be watching them. No wonder this whole sham was able to go on for so long. They were all in bed together, benefiting from each other. SBF and and FTX, the company, and Alameda and the girl in the orange skirt all got a giant pass because they were turning money into the Democratic Party in droves, hand over fist. So, of course, the regulators looked the other way. Of course they did. Customers be damned. Investors be damned. No one cares. The best thing to happen since uh, the collapse of this company is this guy, SBF, admitting to a Vox, not Fox, a Vox reporter, that his whole front about donating money to save the world was complete BS. It was all just to buy goodwill and score some good PR because I know the left-wing media just laps it up and the Democrats just lap it up 
and he's a, you know, great on social media because he's on the right side. He didn't mean a word of it. It was all a giant fake virtue signal. This reporter at uh, Vox told him over Twitter direct message, quote, you were really good at talking about ethics for someone who kind of saw it all as a game with winners and losers. SBF responded, yeah, he, he, I had to be. It's what reputations are made of to some extent. I feel bad for those who got effed by it, by this dumb game we woke Westerners play where we say all the right shibboleths, and so everyone likes us. The reporter Kelsey Piper went on to ask him if the ethics stuff had been mostly a front. And he said, yeah, it was all a front. So there you have it. The communists don't actually care about saving the world. They just want everyone to like them, or they want to snow everyone under with the woke BS so they'll be accepted in the club. And left alone to do what? Commit crimes? Apparently, he's admitting to it. So all of this woke stuff is all BS. Everybody knows it. He just admitted to it. It's absolutely incredible. There you have it, right? So will all of the people who fell for SBF's criminal act apologize? I don't know. Here are some of the headlines he got. Sequoia Capital, Sam Bankman-Fried has a savior complex, and maybe you should too. Bloomberg, a 30-year-old crypto billionaire, wants to give his fortune away. The subhead of that, Sam Bankman-Fried, drives a Corolla, sleeps on a beanbag, and has a Robin Hood-like philosophy. Business Insider, crypto billionaire Sam Bankman-Fried plans to give away 99% of his money as the FTX CEO embraces effective altruism and shuns luxury. NBC News, brothers behind Democrats' crypto pack say they're actually pandemic-focused. Subhead, critics see a cynical ploy to boost the crypto industry, but Gabe Bankman-Fried says time will show they are really focused on preventing pandemics. Sure, sure they were. Like some latter-day Bill Gates, right? Well, we know how Bill Gates turned out with the pandemic. Communists running things are never a good idea. Death, poverty, destruction, and misery in all directions. And yet they are lauded and vaunted and celebrated. Here we are. All right. um, I want to get to Byron Donalds here in a minute. He is on standby. We're going to continue to cover this because there's something else much bigger going on here than just the incestuous pit of this massive corruption on the left There's something bigger going on here that is going to affect all of us, and we will cover that next week. So you're definitely not going to want to miss it because it is going to affect you. We've got Byron Donalds, the phenomenal congressman, coming up here in just a minute. But first, guys, listen up. The holidays are coming, and you want to be absolutely glowing, right? You want your skin to be as healthy and radiant as possible around that Thanksgiving table. Well, from now until Thanksgiving, treat yourself to GenuCell's most popular package for 70% off at GenuCell.com right now. And during this holiday season, every most popular package order includes GenuCell's Hyaluronic Acid Correcting Serum free when you add it to the cart. GenuCell's products delight men and women just like you with inspiring results by correcting their daily skin problems like wrinkles, dark spots, dry skin, sagging jawline, facial redness, and even those annoying bags and puffiness. And with its immediate effects, GenuCell guarantees results in as little as 12 hours or your money back. So order at GenuCell.com slash Monica. Your most popular package includes a complimentary gift set plus free express shipping. That's GenuCell, G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash Monica. GenuCell dot com slash Monica. Again, that's GenuCell dot com slash Monica. We'll be right back. 
Well, I'm very happy today. You want to know why I'm happy? Because I get to talk with my friend, Congressman Byron Donalds, who represents Florida's 19th congressional district, which is Naples and the surrounding areas, and he is a total rock star. Byron Donalds is the future of the Republican Party. He is extraordinary, and he joins me now. Congressman, welcome. Hey, Monica, how you doing? Hey, it's great to have you here. And we've got a lot to get to uh, with you today. And it was, by the way, it was such a pleasure to see you last week in, in Arizona, where we both spoke at David Horowitz's Freedom Center Restoration Weekend. You did a phenomenal job and just brought the house down with your speech. Well, look, thank you. It was uh, it was a great weekend. Uh, the speech was really, because I know everybody's thinking about the midterms. Oh, man, we didn't, we came up short. Uh, we didn't do as well as as we wanted to, but I wanted to do more than just you know baseline punditry and and political speak. I really wanted to just dig into one what kind of happened, but also where do we go and and what's the strategy going forward? And you know I, I feel that as a party we're on the right track. If you were going to compare us to the Democrats, we are definitely in a very good position. But we have to just get serious on a couple things. One is leadership. The other part is engaging different communities and different groups. And and I think if we do that work, we're going to be just fine. Yes. And I wanted to uh, get into that with you here today. So let's first of all, congratulations on your reelection in Florida. The the people of that area of Florida are really lucky to have you. Um, So let's talk about first before we talk about how to fix what went wrong. And there are so many bright spots in this election for us. And I love your optimism. But it seems to me that we all made a cardinal mistake by overpromising and underdelivering. In politics, as in life, Byron, one should always underpromise and overdeliver, but we didn't, and we ended up with some egg on our face. So, in your view, what happened? Um, the first key thing is we were, frankly, so sure of ourselves um, that, a, that a lot of voters didn't come out. They thought it was in the bag. You know, they thought it was going to happen regardless. And talking with some candidates that fell short around the country. They didn't see the Republican turnout they they envisioned they were going to see. And I think a lot of that is, you know, people measuring drapes, thinking that, hey, we're going to win big. It's the red tsunami talk and all that kind of stuff. I think that's one. Number two, and I think this is one that's more critical that's not getting enough play. Um, our candidates were eviscerated on on the Dobbs decision and the the abortion uh, gaslighting by the Democrats. And it's not because they didn't have good positions to be to stand on with the American people. It's that the Democrats took the Dobbs decision and they were literally gaslighting voters. Uh, they were frankly lying about what's going to happen up here on Capitol Hill. And and this was a personal point of frustration uh, for me with Republican leadership, because when the leak came out, we should have had or sat down and figured out what is going to be the position of Republicans at the federal level. Because the Dobbs decision, in my reading, is crystal clear. The, the federal government has no ability to regulate abortion and no constitutional ability to do it. It has to actually go back to the states. And when I'm asked about it, I tell people whether they're pro-choice or pro-life is that state law actually governs medical procedures. Federal law does not. Abortion is a medical procedure. So if you're going to if you're going to regulate it the appropriate way, it's actually done at the state level. And even people who are pro-choice look at me and they're like, well, dang, that actually does make sense. We had no answer for it. And a lot of candidates were scrambling, trying to figure out what they were going to do with it. The third part is, and this is the part which is also my issue with Republican leadership uh, right now. A lot of candidates were left, you know, with the cupboard bare after the primaries and our primaries were brutal. But the Democrats were just spending money in those four to six weeks after primaries were over, defining who our candidates were. And by the time our guys got on the airwaves, they were already down six, seven, eight points. And they were having to come back out of that hole. That, that something like that really hurt us in Pennsylvania. But it hurt us in a lot of places as well, other places as well. Was it because, Byron, um, our candidates just didn't have the money at the time? Or were they caught flat-footed in that like month or six-week period of time? No, they didn't have the money. 
because the, the primary battles were rough. I mean, the Pennsylvania primary uh, between McCormick and Kathy Barnett and Mehmet Oz was a brutal primary. Um, the Arizona primary was brutal. The Ohio primary was brutal. Um, the Nevada primary was a rough one. Uh, you know, Republicans, we've, we kind of, we like competition, but in our primary fights, we go all the way. I mean, it's, it's, it's political warfare. I mean, it's, it gets rough. And so our candidates came out of the primary season with no money. And I always tell, you know, people who think about running for office, I tell them all the time, and, and it's the worst, it, it, the advice is hard to take, but it's true. You have to raise money because if you don't have money, you're the tree that falls in the forest. You don't make a sound. And our candidates had no air support. And so I think one of the issues that I had is that, well, you know, Senate leadership funds, when they didn't step into these races and make sure like a Blake Masters in Arizona had ads on the airwaves to combat Mark Kelly and talk about what Mark Kelly was really doing here in Washington, D.C., that set the tone for the campaign. It's, it's, it's almost like, you know, it's like it's like basically, you know, Mark Kelly was on the football field for the whole first quarter. And in the first quarter, you know, uh, Blake Masters is still getting his pads on. That's what it's like. It's so hard to catch up in an environment like that. Yeah. And the Democrats have such big money coming from so many places, including like George Soros. And in the opening of the show, I just uh, took apart the whole FTX uh, scandal. And there were multi-millions of dollars coming to the Democrats from that criminal scam. So they're getting money from every direction. And our side just, you know, we've got some big donors and we've got a lot of really patriotic, smaller donors. But we just can't seem to scale it in terms of the fundraising and getting the money where it needs to go, when it needs to go, like the Democrats do. Is that right? No, that's exactly right. And, you know, I think that one of the key issues, key issues we're going to have to navigate going into the next election cycle is we know we're going to have primaries. We're not like the Democrats where they where they go into the smoke fill room and they figure out who their candidate is going to be and they go from there, which, by the way, I, I, as, a, as, as a side note, the party that says so much that they love democracy, they are the ones that literally pick candidates and end democracy before it even begins. Go ask some of the Democrats like a Connor, Connor Lamb or a Kenyatta, I think his name is Kenyatta Mitchell in Pennsylvania. Go ask them what the Democrat primary process was like in Pennsylvania, because they basically were told you cannot go after John Fetterman and you just can't do it. And so this is the way it's going to be. And they cleared the field for John Fetterman. So Republicans, we actually believe in democracy, but it's going to be tough on us because we're going to have these primary fights. Um, and so what needs to happen is, you know, House campaigns, Senate campaigns, uh, people in the donor community, we have to understand that and fill that gap so our candidates can still hit can hit the ground running and don't feel like they're 10 points behind. You know, that is a great point. And it just occurred to me, Byron, that the Democrats over the last I don't know, 10, 15 years have really cleaned out the moderates in their parties. So their party is a radical left party. So there really is no primary challenge unless you're going to have radical left against radical left. Whereas our side, we still have establishment based candidates. And now we've got America first candidates. So our side still has a robust primary uh, system going on, whereas the left is basically all locked down with far left candidates and they really don't have uh, robust primaries the way we do. Yep, that's exactly right. So, you know, we just have to figure a way to navigate it. But I I think out of all the things we just discussed about the, the elections, not having a position on Dobbs really, it, it really caused problems because the gaslighting of voters who, for them, they cared about inflation, but abortion was the number, number two issue for them, they turned out. They went to the polls, and the Democrat campaigns did this on purpose. If you were in any state and you looked at the ads on TV, it was ad one was abortion, ad two was abortion, ad three was the Republican ad, ad four was abortion, and then the, sh- and then the show came back on. Yeah. And so we saw it in the election results with regard to women, particularly single, unmarried women, and also voters under 30. Uh, They went for the Democrats in droves. Can you also speak to another big element of what we saw both in 2020 and in 2022, which is the Democrats' mastery of early voting, mass mail-in balloting, ballot harvesting, ballot curing, and the use of drop boxes? Well, yeah. So a couple things. One, 
the Democrat operations around ballot harvesting is like anybody who knows like electoral history and you go back to the days of Tammany Hall, like that's how sophisticated their operations are. They may go and find people who are either on voting rolls that never vote or they go register people not on the rolls. Then they have organizations that go back to those people, help them request a ballot. Then they track the ballot in the mail. They go back to the person, help them fill the ballot out. And in some states, they take the ballot and drop it off. Or they, you know, they might even give them a stamp and put it in the mailbox. That's how sophisticated an operation they run around ballot harvesting. Ballot harvesting, in my view, is pure electioneering. Um, it should be banned in all 50 states. In Florida, we have effectively banned ballot harvesting. You, nobody is allowed to take a ballot except for like a next of kin. That is it. And so we've effectively banned it in Florida as it should be because voters, it is your agency as an individual to go vote. There shouldn't be these outside groups that are being funded with millions and millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars to go grind out of uh, voters to go vote Democrat. I mean, that's insane policy to me. I think early voting in and of itself, Florida, we've been doing it for 20 years. It actually works, but it's ballot harvesting, Monica. That is yeah. what is causing the issues in so many elections. But Byron, how is it that we have now let two election cycles go by, 22 and 20, um, allowing Republicans to be defeated in shady but legal ways like ballot harvesting in so many of these states because we haven't figured out how to master this game? And how do we go about either fixing it or playing the game on the same field as the Democrats? Well, I think in the you have states like Florida, Georgia. Now they fly, they follow Florida's lead. Um, talking to people in the Arizona delegation, and this is where um, you know this 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 race with Carrie Lake is so hurtful because I think there were reforms on the way to clean that process up in Arizona. Um, if you have states where they don't allow it, we're actually doing very well in those states. Um, you know, but in these other states, yeah, we're going to have to get in the game. If they're going to run ballot harvesting operations, then we have to go door to door and make sure Republicans turn ballots back in. I think what the party has done a better job in is um, registration. Florida, we flipped registration just through hard work. I think the other state parties, you know, I love a good convention, too. I love a good social meeting, too. But you got to get out in the streets and you have to go get people registered to vote. And then you have to actively uh, do that work. And so I think that's the next phase for the RNC and for a lot of these state parties is that they have to stop wallowing in. Oh, well, this is a purple state or a, or a a uh, light blue state and we always fall behind. No, you got to go do that work. It's community co to community. It's door to door. Absolutely. And this also brings us to the GOP leadership. You know, it appears that the top GOP leadership has all been reelected. How can we expect anything to change, Byron, on any of these issues if there's no change of leadership? Well, I, like I, now there I do, I agree with you in part. I think that we got to have leadership that's going to look at what's happened and make those significant changes in the House. I mean, right now there's a bunch of conversations and negotiations going on uh, between members who have concerns with Kevin. Um, now, I'll be, I'll be straight with you. I think Kevin's going to get this thing wrapped up. I think he'll end up becoming Speaker of the House. But also, I know in the House side, that message is being received loud and clear. I, I, I will give the leadership credit for that. They're taking stock of this as well because everybody wanted to win big. We all wanted that. And so when that doesn't work out the way you expect, you got to examine yourself. And from what I've seen so far, there hasn't been uh, this this air that, oh, we did everything right. It's not our fault. And do what you know silly pundits do. Let's go blame Trump or let's go blame candidates. No, we've take, I think they've really taken that to heart. And so I think what you're going to see is a, is a revived effort from the House. Now, from the Senate, I can't tell you. You yeah. know, I, I got my issues with Mitch McConnell, too. I know a lot of people do. Yep. I'm just not sure if he's ever going to figure it out. Um, and we need to figure it out because we need a revitalized Senate if we're going to do the things necessary for this country. Yeah, 100 percent. You just ran for GOP conference chair, uh, but Elise Stefanik won that race. Are you going to continue to prevail on the leadership to listen and reform itself? 
Yeah, absolutely. Like the one thing about me, I got a big mouth, Monica. I talk, you know, (laughs) you know, I do a lot of interviews and I have, I have strong opinions. And so I I think inside the chamber also with the members, you know, I've earned the respect of my colleagues, Uh, whether you're in the main street caucus or you're in the freedom caucus. Like I've, I talk to all the members, you know, I respect them. They respect me. And, you know, and so I'm going to be make I'm going to make sure, especially in the next Congress, my voice is going to be heard more. You know, I'm not one that comes in and just starts throwing weight around. I try to observe and learn and, and, and see things. Um, but, you know, my race for conference chair, it didn't work out, but it went, you know, like a lot better than most people thought it was going to go. And so I think that's earned me a lot of respect in the room. And so I'm going to be more vocal about it because at the end of the day, it's not about Elise or me. It's about winning. It's about the country and it's about uh, the Republican Party, you know, being conservative and pushing conservative policy and making sure Americans understand that conservatism is the path forward for the country. Yes. And on that subject, in our final minutes here with you, Byron, one of the big things that you talked about in Phoenix at Restoration Weekend, but you've also been pushing behind the scenes and, and publicly too, is the need for the GOP to adapt to younger voters and to how younger voters get their information. Talk about that. Well, look, anybody who's got grandkids or kids, I mean, right now, they the first thing they do in the morning is they pick up their phone. I mean, shoot, the first thing I do is pick up my phone. Right. Everybody does it. Now. Right. But if you look at, I think they have the wellness settings basically in every, every smartphone now. If you go look at the wellness settings on those phones, these kids, and look at the time they're in these apps, they might be in TikTok three hours a day, Snapchat four hours a day. They're definitely on their phones 10 hours a day. That's yep. without question because they're always looking for a cord to plug the thing in because their <laughs> battery's dying or whatever the case might be. So we have to understand that. So everything isn't a 30-second ad on Fox News or on CNN, and that's no disrespect to those networks. They're staples of our politics. But we have to understand that these kids are on Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok far more than they watch cable TV. You know, we talked about cord cutting. They don't even know what the cord is. They are on their phones nonstop. And so we have to get into that space. And so it's about having, you know, like little fun segments. It's about podcasts like yours, Monica. It's about, you know, doing a a 30 second respond little, little clip to something dumb that Joy Behar says, which has, which frankly happens often. It's, it's, you have to get into that game. It's dealing with the people on Comedy Central, the people on HBO, um, not being afraid of going into tough environments. You know, like one of the shows I listen to a lot is The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club is the largest, is one of, not the largest, it's one of the largest syndicated morning shows in the country. Mm-hmm. It's a, it is a hip-hop, um, black morning radio show. I can't tell you the last Republican that went on. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you. I think it was like maybe Angela Stanton King when she was running for Congress two years ago. That's the last Republican I think that went on. We got to be in that space. Yeah. And I think what happens is, is that, you know, it's not comfortable being in certain places, but when you go, you earn respect of the people who reside there because their mindset then becomes, man, you are really interested enough to come here. Right. As opposed to asking me to come to you, you came to me. And you know who did that better than anybody? Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus went, Jesus went where the people were. Amen. In the synagogue and say, come to me. He went to them. That, that's exactly right. I'm so glad you raised Jesus because I'm a believer too. And when you look at the gospel, you know, he didn't, he went to the poor, he went to the infirm, he went to the prostitutes, and he got a lot of slings and arrows. Why are you going to these dregs of humanity? And he was like, because they're the ones who need me. And, you know, when you flip that onto politics this time, you're exactly right. And you know what, Byron, we have been talking about this for decades now. Oh, you have to go into the hood as a Republican and talk to them. And you've got to go into the Latino communities and the black communities. And yet so few of us ever do that. I do think of Lee Zeldin in this last uh, race running for governor. He actually did. He went into Harlem. He went into the Bronx. He talked to every single community and he may not have you know scored big in those communities but he showed them the respect of going in there and talking to them and listening listening is so critical all human beings just want to be heard and if you show up 
and you listen, they may not vote for you this time, but maybe the next time they'll give you an an even greater hearing and you might persuade them over time. And I can't believe that our side has retreated more and not, not been more aggressively offensive in this way. Yeah, listen, you're absolutely right. And I think that when you do this stuff, it breaks down barriers. It's hard for, and I'm going to just look, I'm black. So as a black man out here, I'm going to put it out here. It's hard for the black community to go at Republicans if Republicans show up to events and talk with black, black, black people, black voters, black pastors. Then you're not just, oh, those are the Republicans. It's like, oh, wait, this is Monica, though. Right. And you build a relationship. And once you can build relationship, then you can start getting to policy and the finer points of politics and why this investigation matters. But that one is, is phony. But if all you are is a caricature in the network news or in the media landscape, nobody's listening to you because I don't even know you. Right. But when you begin to get that relationship, then people actually give you the opportunity to make your case. And as Republicans, what we need to be where we need to focus on right now is making sure that every community in the United States is giving us the opportunity to make our case. Once you give me the chance, man, I'm gonna go ahead and sell that thing because I'm right anyway. And we all know this because the Democrats don't know what they're doing and they don't know what they're talking about. And their ideas are frankly crazy. But we have to go to these areas. We can't just sit back and wait and think it's going to happen. I know. And we've been talking about this a long time and nobody is doing it except for you. And there may be a handful of others who are doing it effectively. Are you confident that the GOP can do any of this? Go into these communities, um, get get into you know the, the platforms and the social media where young people get their information. Are you confident that we can get our acts together in time for the 2024 election? I think so, actually. I do. I think we can, because what you're seeing and definitely in the House, um, you know, is that you're seeing a lot of members who are younger, more diverse, um, people who are more comfortable in different rooms. Like, I think one of the issues with older, you know, older people in general is that, you know, yeah, there was they grew up in a time where America was more segregated, where this it was this is my community. And that's my community. People my age, Monica, man, I've been in every type of opportunity there is. I've been in every community there possibly is. There's a comfort level of talking to people from different backgrounds. So I think that that's going to just naturally change. People try to say, oh, the Republican Party, look at them in, in the Senate. and They take the Senate as what the party is. That's not true. Go look at the Republican Party and state legislatures. It's actually very diverse and it's much younger. And there are people who are passionate about the Constitution and the country and sound budgets and national security and border security. But they have li- they've lived in so many different walks of life. You know, they came up with nothing. Their parents struggled. They lived in inner cities. They might have lived in the suburbs or whatever the case might be. But at the end of the day, their worldviews are much more immersed with different cultures than how it used to then with older people in the United States. That's just the way it is. And I think that's a good thing. And I think it's a great thing for the party. Well, I love that you're so optimistic, Byron. You're optimistic about the Republican Party, the America First movement, of which you are a huge part. And you're optimistic about the future of America. Um, this is why I wanted to have you on today to, to deliver that message, because I know a lot of our listeners, a lot of people are really down after the election, and they shouldn't be. We actually had a better night um, on Election Day than, than people think. And, you know, they, in all these locations, Arizona and elsewhere, where they're still counting votes, they wanted to deny us the big headlines. They wanted to deny us the celebration of Republicans take control of the House and fire Nancy Pelosi. So we know what their game is. And I love that you are staying on top of this and fighting this battle every day. Absolutely. Look, if I'll add one thing, and I told my colleagues this too, I told them the other day, America doesn't like the Democrats. They're not quite sure if they love us, though, as Republicans. And so Republicans have a job to do. And that's why, you know, messaging matters. That's why being in communities matter. That's why engaging the public matters. It's not just the balls and strikes on Capitol Hill. It's what's actually happening in so many communities across the country. And if we take that fight and we engage in it, we're going to be just fine. 
Well, we are so lucky to have you in Congress, fighting for your constituents, of course, but also fighting for the rest of us and fighting for this great country. Congressman Byron Donalds of Florida, a total America first superstar. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. Okay, guys, listen up. It's time to make your health great again as we get closer to the new year. For anyone looking to ignite their fat-burning metabolism, boost their energy, and transform how they look and feel, they've got to start by taking care of their liver. Your liver is your body's master detoxifier. It performs over 500 key functions in your body every day. It's responsible for cleansing and removing thousands of harmful toxins, man-made chemicals, and yes, alcohol. After decades of wear and tear, our livers start to slow down and become sluggish. This is why so many of us struggle with weight gain and feeling tired all the time. Fortunately, there is a simple, all-natural solution that I recommend. It's called Liver Health Formula. Liver Health Formula contains 12 powerful botanicals clinically proven to recharge and protect your liver at the cellular level. It helps restore your liver's detoxifying abilities, boost your energy levels, and can kick your natural metabolism into high gear. Liver Health Formula is backed by the latest science and approved by American doctors, and every bottle is manufactured right here in the USA. And right now, as a listener of our show, you can try Liver Health Formula completely risk-free and receive five free gifts when you order today. First, you'll receive a free 30-day supply of nano-powered omega-3. This powerful blend of omega-3 fatty acids supports a healthy heart and brain with four times better absorption thanks to this special nano delivery system. You're also getting four free ebooks to support every aspect of your health and longevity regardless of age. So go to getliverhelp.com slash Monica or call them toll free at 800 282 1757 to claim your risk-free supply of liver health formula and all five bonus gifts. That's getliverhelp.com slash Monica or call 800-282-1757. You're covered by their 365-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to risk, but supplies are limited. So head over to getliverhelp.com slash Monica or call toll-free 800-282-1757 right now to order liver health formula and claim your five free bonus gifts while you still can. That's getliverhelp.com slash Monica or call 800-282-1757. We'll be right back. Okay, guys, time now for the Friday email bag. The email address again is Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. Bill from Michigan writes Monica, I have a theory on these deviants counting the ballots in Arizona, Colorado, and other areas where we can't find out who won. These people are evil, and I believe they are slowing the roll because they don't want Trump victories anywhere. And the Republicans continue to say what a horrible election we had, etc. People are down. And the press and even the people are mad at Trump. Guaranteed if these are Democrat wins, they would have been counted by now. What do you think? The narrative would be totally different if true believers got positive news sooner. Thanks, and keep up the good work. Well, thank you very much for the note, Bill. I I totally appreciate it. And I completely agree with you. I've been wanting to say this, Bill. So thank you for giving me the opportunity here. First of all, there is a lot of evil at work in the country and in the world today. Evil never goes away. It's always there. And uh, it certainly seems ascendant today, doesn't it? That's for sure. But I also completely agree that the vote counting in these places is corrupt and that they deliberately slow walk it so as to deny us the big headlines. 
Republicans take the House. Carrie Lake wins the governorship, or whatever it might be. They want to deny us the headlines and the party, you know, the the celebration of scoring our wins. If we had won the House on election night, that would have been huge, a big party and massive momentum. We had a fairly good night on election night, not as great as we had hoped, but a pretty good night. And yet we couldn't know that at the time and celebrate it because the left slow walked the results in so many places. I'm glad we were thinking the same thing, Bill, and thanks for giving me the chance to talk about that, Bill. Okay, that is going to do it for me this week. Thank you so much for joining me and being part of the community that we're building here at the Monica Crowley Podcast. And thanks for checking out our great sponsors. We appreciate them and you. We've got a really big week of fun shows coming up next week, Thanksgiving week. So don't miss a minute of them. All right? You don't want FOMO, fear of missing out. Have a lovely weekend, and I will see you right back here on Monday. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.